Content warning. This series will discuss topics that may bring up painful experiences for you. Please take the time to surround yourself with good medicines. If need be, pause the playback and go for a walk, stretch, have a glass of water, and come back to the show when you feel comfortable. Welcome to the Métis Speaker Series. I'm your host, Darian Kovacs. On this podcast series, we will be exploring learning, healing, and rebuilding within the Métis community. Our goal is to create awareness of and generate discussion about Métis issues, as well as how to heal from and move forward in a healthy way. We hope to reduce Métis invisibility in BC through the personal stories from our Métis community members. This show is brought to you by Métis Nation BC and Jelly Marketing. Welcome to the Métis Speaker Series. I'm here with Jordan, who is a artist in many regards, from a writer to an actor to a filmmaker to a creator of all things awesome that you can see on your screen, whether it's on your iPhone or your Android or your TV or maybe a projector projecting against your garage. Whatever it is, Jordan is making awesome creations with a Métis perspective, with Métis stories being told, and his Métis flavor. Jordan, thank you for being here. Hey, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. And this is this is great. I love what you do with the podcast. So thank you. Thank you. So of all the disciplines that you practice artistically, what is the discipline maybe that's closest to your heart? Or is it like asking who's your favorite child? It's too hard to decide. Oh, geez. The closest to my heart, I don't know. I've always feel like it's like ever evolving and like one feeds into the next. Yeah. I always was making films and, you know, wanting to be an actor as a kid. I was a, uh, I was a child actor as yeah. one of those, you know, in all the school plays. And I'm dating myself a bit. I'm a child of the 90s, so, you know, handy cams is where yeah. we recorded and captured yeah. everything. So it's just kind of evolved and progressed over time. But my fave right now is, like, really in love with just with writing right now. Nice. So. And when you write... Do you write kind of scripts for TV, scripts for movies, or, or is it poetry, or what does that look like for you? Film and television is okay. is what I'm focusing on at the yeah. moment, and also animated series. Okay. Give us the inner workings of writing for television and movies. Is it, do, do you get asked to do something first, or do you initiate with a script, or how does that process work? It's 85% procrastination. Yes. And then, uh, <laughs> like a lot of disciplines, all the work I try to do is collaborative work. Yeah. So I had a really cool opportunity this year to build a writer's room. It's an all like mixed team yeah. and a lot of new writers and experienced writers. And this was for an animation that I'm, I'm developing with uh, my company and the team that I'm working with. And uh, I've been invited to a bunch of other writing rooms too for television. Yeah. So it's been a really cool journey in the last couple of years. That's awesome. And the TV show, 30 Rock, is based around a writer's room. Yeah, yeah. Who write for Saturday Night Live was based on. Is it like that, what you see in that show? The writing room, it's so fun. I mean, you get together with a group of creative people, and you go around in circles, and you pitch ideas, and sometimes it hurts when it gets shot down, but that's also, like, it's just part of it. So everybody's pretty supportive in those, in those circles, yeah. so. And give me the chicken and egg. What comes first? Is it like you get, a, you know, there's funding for a show, or there's funding for a movie, and then you get hired to write, or is it, do you write pitch it with hopes of getting funded. Yeah. So, you know, I, I consider myself an emerging artist. Yeah. So a lot of the times we're doing a lot of this work, wearing many hats and also yeah. doing this for the love of it. Yeah. I'm always like, I got a notebook that's just full of ideas. Yeah. Some of them, you know, 
sprout into something right away. Yeah. Some are like, I come back to it later. Some never go anywhere. Yeah. But a lot of these projects, I have big dreams to make some huge projects. Some are more feasible than others. As far as, you know, we're Canadians, there is, you know, a lot of support from the government for our funding. So definitely, like, yeah, write a lot of pitches as yeah. well. National Film Board. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The NFB is really great. Yeah. Indigenous Screen Office, yeah. you know, Canada Council. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, I want to talk about being that you're Métis. Yeah. Tell us about the project where you did some of the historical retelling of the history of the, the Métis people. Yeah. A project that's like really near and dear to my heart is a limited series I did with uh, APTN Lumi, which is the Aboriginal People's Television Network, for those who don't know. Yeah. They have their own streaming service right now called Lumi. Check it out. There's yeah. so many cool projects on there. We released on May 9th this year a project I created with a group of friends called Shadow of the Rougarou. It's set in 1884, and it follows a Métis Cree trapper named Sakaweo, and it's about her journey coming home, and the project's in four different languages. Northern dialect Michif, which is more Cree-heavy. It's in Plains and Woodland Cree, and also Chinook Wawa, which is an old trading language on the West Coast here. There's still some speakers out there, but it's kind of extinct almost. Of course, English as well. That whole process was so cool. I worked with so many elders and language and knowledge keepers, about a year and a half of development before we even got to camera. Wow. Now tell me about being on Lumi, the launch on Lumi, what feedback you're getting, what it's been like. On Lumi, we've been really lucky. Working with APTM was a dream. Wanted to work with them since I was a youngin. Yeah. I think they do really great work. And we launched on Lumi and we became one of their number one rated shows on there, which is like an honor. We're very surprised. I'm very happy about it. I think North of 60, we're just like, you know, they have reruns on there. So we're yeah. kind of like neck and neck. But funny enough, when we released May 9th is actually like the beginning of the Battle of Batosh. Which wasn't planned or anything like that, but I thought it was some kind of like, you know, serendipitous, almost like the ancestors were like, just like given a wink that yeah. that happened to be the day. So Amazing. that was earlier this year. Yeah. Amazing. Now, do you have plans to tell more Métis stories through TV or movies? 100%. Okay. Yeah. I, right now, it's a limited series. Yeah. We're working towards developing that. My partner's at uh, Hammer and Tong and my, co my company from the shadows that we're working to turn this into a full series. So we're in development currently. The word in development, what does that mean for us non-TV people? That means before anything's ready to go to pre-production yeah. or go to camera. Okay. So it's like really diving into the characters, yeah. outlining uh, like multiple seasons, yeah. really digging into your character arcs and your themes. And also because this is an indigenous project, yeah. taking the time and care that you wouldn't in a Western production yeah. to to work with community, work with elders, to make sure you're doing things right, that you're representing things in the proper yeah. way. A lot of the projects I work uh, work on are based in the, the mid-1880s all the way to the early 1900s, yeah. which is like the most exciting time frame for, for me to history. Yeah. So much was going on there. And I base a lot of it with magic realism as well. Mm -hmm. So it's like finding that fine line where you're telling your stories in a good way, but also making sure that you're doing your best because there's not one Métis story. The whole dysphoria across from Red River West there's many different interpretations of who we are, where we come from, and what we represent. So yeah, even uh, the Michif language, right? There's yeah, yeah. There's like three main dialects. So yeah. the one we worked on is is more Cree heavy Northern dialect. That's uh, where my family comes from. My great grandma Adelaide uh, Van Dale, she was a fluent Michif speaker, mm -hmm. and you know that's the type of Michif she spoke. And also the elders that I work with, that's the type of Michif they speak as well. Amazing. Now uh, I want to talk about the funding bodies yeah. and, and how they're excited about Métis stories. Tell us maybe what that's been like. What is it, APTN or National Film Board? When you go and pitch them these things, are you seeing good response? Are they excited? And yeah, you know? there, there's been like Jesse Wente is a, an amazing Indigenous author. He's worked in films. He started up the Indigenous Screen Office, which is a great funder and supporter for Indigenous films. If there's any creators out there, I highly recommend contacting their team. They come straight from the heart. They're full of love. They really want to support these projects. 
I'd say that this group of people really wants to see these projects happen hmm. and wants to see them out there, even outside of indigenous circles. Yeah. It's a great place that fosters people that have no experience, people have mid-level yeah. experience, people have like lots of experience. There's yeah. all different levels of it. The Indigenous Screen Office, when I started up this concept of Shadow of the Rougarou, which is my first kind of big project, they were the first people to embrace the concept. Mm. They have this really cool partnership with Netflix, okay. and it's a, it's a cultural mentorship program. So either you as an individual can go to a more experienced Indigenous-focused company and get mentored. Or you can seek out people in the community to help mentor you if you're working on story, you're working with language. And that's what I did. So I ended up working with a bunch of elders that I knew. And through this funding, was able to take that year and a half of developing the story and the language and do it in like a proper way to make sure we're not rushing it. I myself am not fluent in Cree or Machif. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was important to take that yeah. time because in, you know, this colonial uh, film industry that we have, yeah. you know, talking to somebody that's not Indigenous to say, well, we got to sit with the elders and talk and, and work on these projects. So they're just like, what, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, where, 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 where does that fit Time. into the timeline or yeah, the yeah. budget, right? Yeah. This is fairly new in the industry yeah. to have these kind of opportunities. So, And are you finding, because there are so many First Nations stories and movies and, and TV series, are you seeing people seeking out more Métis representation or Inuit representation? 100%. I was uh, saying back to Jesse Wente, he has this amazing quote called that we're kind of living in the, the golden age of Indigenous cinema. There's so many great projects, TV shows and movies that have been coming in the last decade or the last five years that are just like finally getting some mainstream love. Yeah. And it's finally, Rutherford Falls. Rutherford Falls is yeah. a great example. So funny. And that's great for like, that is like, you know. Two like, seasons. They yeah. Got. yeah. Big okay. time for yeah. an indigenous story and yeah. also like indigenous writers on the board. Yeah. Reservation Dogs, yes. which is like right. on its second season. Yeah. There's also a Canadian show that just came out about a month ago called Acting Good. Okay. It's all. Uh, I, I, I saw the commercial for it when I was watching. It's so funny. Okay, good. Right? Like legit, like like there's okay. good quality time and, and uh, thought being put into these cool. and support. Yeah. Which is really needed to have indigenous stories told by indigenous people, which yeah. always hasn't been the case in Hollywood. Yeah. Yes. Also, there's been some great movies, Blood Quantum by Jeff Barnaby is a big yeah. favorite of mine and a big right. inspiration. Uh, he just passed this year, so wow. rest in peace. His movie Rhymes for Young Ghouls was really good. Oh, my oh. Tail Feathers has been killing it lately. Uh, the Body Remembers When the World Broke Open. Catherine Hepburn and, oh my goodness, what's her husband's name? Uh, they're, they're a Métis couple, yeah. but they're, they're okay. great as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, there's just like, I'm just excited to see that this is happening yeah. and just like the love and acceptance and like, like the possibilities where wow. it can go. It's amazing. So. And, and are you finding as you kind of put yourself out there as Métis, are you discovering other Métis people in the industry as well? Amazing. There's this like, the connections from East to West is yeah. just phenomenal. Mm. And, you know, working on Shadow of the Rougarou was so special that, you know, obviously I had my family involved. Mm -hmm. My cousin played the Rougarou, which is for those that don't know, that's it's a Métis werewolf. That's so it was really cool. nice to have him there. Had my yeah. brother on set, my parents on yeah. set. And development all the way to release. Yeah. We had on our immediate team, probably 200 people work on the project. It was an, a nice even mix of Indigenous and non-Indigenous, yeah. which was fantastic. And for me, that's a big step forward. You don't see that on a lot of sets. No. And also, of that group, we had a good chunk of Métis individuals working on all aspects and departments, which was the most Métis individuals I've ever seen on a gathering or a project outside of community events, which is like, you know, hopefully we can expand that, make it bigger in the future. And, you know, that makes more connections amongst individuals to make their own projects. Yeah. So. I don't know if you can share this because yeah. it might be already in production or you're, you're kind of cooking it up on the stove back there. But do you have some Métis stories that you really want to tell, that you really want to see come to life on the screen or somewhere? 
I do. So I'm working on animation right now. This is this is a new territory for me. As an actor, I've voiced yeah. animation, so I have an understanding of that workflow. But I've never written and directed for animation before, which has been really cool. The story that I'm working on right now is based in the uh, late 1800s, and it's based off a real-life event. In 1884, just before the Northwest Resistance, the Crown came to Middle Canada grabbed a, a boatload of uh, Métis paddlers and Mohawk paddlers and Ojibwe paddlers and brought them to Egypt. And they paddled up the Nile, which is a very difficult task to do, to fight a war in the Sudan, which oh. was part of Egypt at the time, but had, there had been an uprising. It's a really interesting real-life story. There's uh, some wow. great accounts of it that you can find in a couple books and online. It's amazing. And it's just like a really unknown story. Yeah. I usually didn't want to talk about a project that's still in production, yeah. but we're pretty close, so I, I feel okay. okay to talk about it. But I won't right. go into the extreme story details yeah, yeah. on it. But uh, yeah, that's cool. But we have so many of these stories that yeah. never made it into, yeah. into the history books or were ignored or were just, yeah. I recall in social studies, which history is one of my favorite subjects growing up, and I'm sure it's the same for you or most yeah. people in Canada, there's a blip about yeah. the Métis. Yeah. The Métis were there. And then we moved on to Confederation. Or they, or they weren't called Métis. They were called, like, you know, something else. Half-breeds. Canadians or... Yeah, yeah, yeah Voyagers. Yeah, Voyager. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you might hear a little about Lou Riel, yeah. and then we move on, yeah. right? And there's a photo of them in a canoe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 They, they look good, got all the furs, yeah. nice paddles, but yeah. there's an immense amount of Métis storytelling that's going on out there that has yet to be told by Métis people, and yeah. I'm starting to see it seed out there. Okay. A friend of mine, he's a Métis director and actor, okay. Jay uh, Bilvenu Cardinal. Okay. He just did a proof of concept for a Louis film called Gods and Devils. I acted in it, and I had to speak French, which I'm really bad at, but I played uh, Louis Riel's secretary, Henri oh, Jackson. Nice. And what was it? Cody Kearsley played Louis Riel. Did Cody get to have a nice beard? Was it the beard Louis Riel or the mustache Louis uh, Riel? He was, uh, he was the mustache and beard Louis okay. Riel. Okay. Yeah, okay. He, he looked really great. It was shot on 35-millimeter film, so it wasn't wow. digital, which yeah. is crazy. It's, it's just cool to see that these stories are starting to come to life in a good way. Yeah. I think every Métis like, filmmaker wants to make a Louis Riel story. I know I do. So we're all kind of like, I think there's room for everybody to tell it, though. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and different angles. Like like the Batman. Yeah, right? exactly. There's all sorts of Batman. <laughs> there's a Tim Burton Batman. Exactly. Like, right? But all Louis will just be talking like this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I joke though, but yeah. What, what Gabriel Dumont? Is there? Is it? I personally think that, like I love Louis. Don't get sure? it wrong, Uncle yeah. Louis is great. Yeah. Gabriel Dumont is probably one of the most interesting Métis right? characters ever. Right. Like okay. his whole his whole like. I read a book recently that was called Gabriel Dumont Speaks. Okay. He did two memoirs. I believe he spoke five to six languages. Yeah. But he did not write or read. Yeah. So he had people writing down what he was dictating near the end of his life. And, and was it when he was doing the shows down in the States? Just after that. Okay. When he moved back to Canada, he yeah. got a pardon. Oh, hey, nice. Yeah. yeah. And um, I know this book is written by a non-Métis person. Yeah. And there's a, I kind of flagged a couple things in there and I'm like, meh, yeah. like, uh, I'm not sure if he got that right. Because, yeah. you know, things getting translated can... Yeah. You know, especially from French, yeah. can be a little iffy sometimes. But I think the general his general life that we do know about is just... Fascinating yeah. man. Like, yeah. he fought in his first battle, like, around, like, 12 or 13, when they went down to Pass Pembina. He started his, uh, what was it, river crossing company out of Batoche. Yeah. Uh, he had a general store. He had a pool yeah. table yes. during yeah. that time. And then, of course, he was an amazing, you know, captain of the Buffalo Hunts. Yeah. Sharpshooter. Yeah, sharpshooter. Yeah. Fought in the war with yeah. Louis. He was, like, one of, the, like, the, the most hard, badass dudes. I'll save the language just for the podcast. Yeah. And then going down, what was it, in the States, he was in the... Um, Buffalo Bills traveling yeah. circus as a show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oakley and like, and then he came back and he went, he went back to Saskatchewan after that. It's wild. Like he's I, so I, interesting. I was at 
back to Patash, and and it was this year. Yeah, Patash, I was here too. I saw you. I saw you there. Oh right, you, you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. There was like a brief passing. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. You, it was so much going on. I was eating my taco in a bag. Did you try the taco I in did. a bag? It was, it was good. wild, right? Like for those that are curious about this, they would take a Doritos bag, cut the top open, put sour cream, lettuce, ground beef, like taco mix, and salsa. And it's it was, all healthy. And you, and you get a fork, and it was you'd walk around eating a taco in a bag. But going to the national, what, what do we call it, the historic site, was fascinating. And learning all about Dumont through there, and walking through, and all the pieces they had. It was gorgeous. They had a, um, like a theater where you could watch a video about the history of Batash as I well. I didn't see the theater. No, uh, I missed the theater. It was really interesting to watch the video, because in the history books, we really focus on the battles and yeah. whatnot, and like some of the beginning of the Métis yeah. settlements. In that video, maybe production value could be a little bit better, but it's yeah. an older video. One thing that I really loved was it really talked about the community of Batash nice. and what it was like to be part of the community. Oh. It's like, you don't hear enough about that. Yeah. And like, it was just really cool to And to the Karen about. house yeah. up the way. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, Métis National Council President uh, Cassie Karen, her family's yeah. home. Yeah. This year at Batash, just before her husband got married there. Yeah, yeah. That's like a, like, that's, it, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I officiated that wedding. You did? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you did that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was a fun. Dude. Yeah, it was a great experience. And, uh, so it's thing, speaking of which, yeah. Maria Campbell's there. Yeah. The Maria Campbell story. Will that be a story that you could one day oh, we'll see? Oh, well, I have to meet her first. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, she, she probably would write the script, I would imagine. If whoever would do it, I saw her at Batosh, and yeah. I've always wanted to meet her, yeah. and I was, like, fanboying really hard. But I'm like, nope, that's not the way I want to meet her. I want to meet her in a proper, yeah. like, setting. So, yeah. you know, one day if we ever cross paths, I hope to meet her. Like, she really brought the Métis scope in the 20th century with Halfbreed yeah. to the consciousness of Canada beyond when, you know, that was a time when our people were practically ignored and government thought they'd done their job. Yeah. Like, you know? So, yeah, we owe a lot to her and uh, I'm, I'm really impressed with all her work. So It's not often you see a story, though, a movie about someone when they're still alive. Right? That would be an interesting one to do. I what she would think about it. I know she's a playwright. Would she make an appearance in the movie, maybe? I'd have to meet her. That's right? That would be cool. She'd yeah. like do a walkthrough in the background, right? Like a Stan Lee thing or whatever, you know? She'd kind of play a character, interact with her younger self. Oh, that'd be cool. I heard a, a really cool thing. I don't know if this is absolutely true, but I heard that she lives on Gabriel Dumont's old homestead. You know what? I, we, I was with her. She pointed out the home. Oh, she, no way. she owns a home there. Like she has it. I don't think she physically lives there because a lot of the windows were broken at the time and it was boarded up. Oh, okay. So I don't think she physically lives there. <laughs> the legend goes further than the truth. But I think yeah. she owns the home but doesn't physically live there. But I think she'll visit there. Or she'll, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah, that's pretty rad. Yeah. And so for you, as an artist, as a, as a creative, what would be your message to, to other Métis people who kind of think, you know, almost like they think they have that light within them. They're like, man, I feel like I want to be an actor. I want to be a writer. What's your call to them right now? I would say... Do it. This is like such a great time period to like go out there and meet as many Métis creatives as possible. And not just, you shouldn't just meet and connect with people in the film industry or all different people in the community because that's what's going to feed your storytelling. Mm. You know, my hope with Shadow of the Rougarou is in the, in the associated projects is that it acts as a vehicle for more Métis filmmakers to say, hey, I can do that. I can, I can tell our stories or my story or my family's story or support other people in the community. And we haven't had a lot of that. Mm. And I'm I'm hoping that you know that can spark some excitement and encouragement that 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 this is possible and that we finally do get a chance to tell these stories that have had you know long time that are long time overdue. It's amazing. Okay, so Maria Campbell, if you're listening to this, you 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 have been officially requested for a, a tea. 
coffee hangout time uh, with Jordan. Who else do you wish you could work with one day? Like whether it's on screen or to work with to do a story or a story that you want to see come to life and you want them this person involved. Mm, I really look, look up to Elmaya Tail Feathers, amazing actor and also filmmaker, writer. She was so kind. I, I produced a, a, a film earlier this year called Terraforming. It's an indigenous queer horror story that involves a couple that goes out into their Kukum's cabin yeah. and their relationship. It's about coming home and how that can implode. It was directed and written by my friend and fellow filmmaker, Rylan Friday. Yeah. And it was shot to look like it was done in one 22-minute take, kind of like 1917 yeah. or yeah. Uh, The Body Remembers of the World Broke Open. Rylan was lucky enough to get mentored on The Body Remembers with Elmai Toefeathers and Catherine Hepburn. And they were so kind to Zoom with us before we filmed and give us pointers. And I just really appreciate that. And I would love to do more than that if that was yeah. ever possible. But she's pretty big league, so we'll see. We'll see, we'll see. Netflix, there's, there's Amazon Prime, there's Disney+. Plus. Where do you see kind of the, the future of kind of movie watching and TV watching going? I know you're on Lumi right now as yeah. well. So where, what do you kind of see just as you kind of your, from your perspective? At this point, like, I just want to get the story out there and get it told. Yeah. So yeah. I would work with a network. Yeah. I would work with sure. streamers. Yeah. I really, really value the relationship I have with APTN. They've been yeah. amazing to work yeah. with and so supportive. Their yeah. heart's in the right place. Yeah. And, Beautiful uh, headquarters. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, 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 the whole team's been so, yeah. so it's been a great journey. I'd love to continue that relationship with them. And also just to get it on a, on a bigger and wider spectrum because Lumi is only available in Canada right yeah. now. So I have friends in the States or friends that are across the water and they can't see it. But um, we have a film version cut of Shadow of the Regroup yeah. for film festivals. It's right. been doing the circuit really great, the film festival circuit. And recently, we had a screen at the American Indian Film yeah. Festival in San Francisco. Cool. And it was just such a joy to bring this to America. To my knowledge, I don't know of any other Métis projects in Midshift that mm. have you know been brought to the States. Yeah. And it was really cool doing the talk back with the audience because talkbacks in Canada and you know different circles here, community stuff. But you know, I was like, is there anybody in the audience that uh, speaks Cree? Mm. And like nobody. Any every time I go to anything here in Canada, there's always Cree speakers yeah. everywhere. So it was like, I was like, oh damn. Like, you know, I was just letting them know that like a little bit about Metis history, because most people don't yeah. know it. Yeah. And I was just like, just to let you know that um you do have Metis in America as well. Yeah. They're under uh, I think it's Turtle Mountain Chippewa tribe, they're 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 called under, but those are our relatives still, yeah. regardless of the border. Yeah. So they were just amazed to know that and to they were they I think they were all pretty intrigued, the audience that was with us. So Amazing. Okay, I gotta ask this. Yeah. So a true Métis movie doesn't need to have, or show, doesn't need to have beating, jigging involved, and people wearing sashes. Right? Give me, give me like, does every, for it to be officially a Métis anyway, TV or movie experience. Not at all. So but it's, it's nice if it's there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think as long as it's made with, by Métis people, yeah. with like the true intentions and true heart, it's a Métis film. friend of mine, Shane Layden, he's an up-and-coming writer, he's an actor, and I just read one of his short films, and it was just like, it's a modern film, just about two lovers, mm. and there's a border keeping them across from each other. And the one character is deeply Métis, and you don't have those elements, but the that part of it is baked into it. Yeah. And like... It's a lovely story. I, I I hope to see it get made. So, you know, you can do stuff like mine's historic drama, or yeah. I like to call it dark progressive Western because yeah. it's the anti-cowboy movies. Yeah. But, you know, this is a modern love story that, you know, features a Métis individual. Chairforming also, our lead is Métis as well, Cree Métis. And, you know, there, there's traditional, like, stuff in there. And if you know the culture, you know, you'll know it, but it's not spelled out for anybody, yeah. which is, like, I like that too. That's cool. And I want to close with this. Tell us about the story of, of using an actual historic sash. 
in the movie and what was that like? Oh, you know, for me, my my characters are Métis and they, the characters have different levels of connection to their community and themselves. And, you know, I just always want to be cautious with story and also representation. And especially with sashes, you know, this dysphoria of Métis people from Red River or West, there's so many different and unique stories, North and South. It's you can't tell all of them perfectly and you just got to try to do your best. So also when I'm using these sashes or I'm using any kind of, you know, especially something like the Rougarou as well, I just always try to like go forward with a disclaimer and say, I'm not telling the definite Métis story. I'm just telling what I know or what I've been taught or what I've researched and just trying to do it to the best of my ability. We're all learning and, you know, just want to come at it with respect. So. Amazing. I, I do like the idea of the Batman. Felt like every kind of generation will have a different take on Batman, right? A different take on Louis Riel, a different take on the yeah. Métis story. I had a friend recently that was like, oh, well, like, uh, Jay's doing a real film. I thought you wanted to do it. I'm like, there's room for all of us to yeah. do it. There's not a competition here. No. Yeah. No, it's great. Where can people find you? They want to learn more about you and your life. I'm easily accessible online, and I'd just like to say that if there's any Indigenous youth, Métis First Nations, or Inuit that want to get into filmmaking or just have a question— Find me, like reach out. I'm I'm easily available online. You know, a big part of the stuff I do is I'm always trying to bring in mentorship uh, because that's what I would have wanted when I was younger and I didn't have that opportunity. Yeah, if, if you're interested, get out there and just, just start filming and start talking to people. And it sounds like there's funding and support for it, whether it's Story Hive at TELUS or National Film Board or ABTN. Yeah, especially like with Rougarou, when we were filming, uh, Métis Nation BC was incredibly supportive. And we had two youth from the community. Uh, they did a call out for us. We were looking for people to be paid mentors or mentees. And we had them come and join us on set. And they got they got to experience them. And I hope, like, even if they don't go on to be filmmakers, I hope they just got to see Métis storytelling in action and that it inspires whatever they do next. So And have some good craft food. Yeah, we had some good stuff. Good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Thank you for being here. Hey, sure. thanks for having me. Awesome. This was Métis Speaker Series, Season 4 connecting with creators and artists of all kinds. Thank you for joining us this week on Métis Speaker Series. We'll see you next time on the show. This has been the Métis Speaker Series podcast. I'm Darian Kovacs. Thanks to Métis Nation BC for making this possible with funding provided by the Civil Forfeiture Office's Indigenous Healing Stream. You can listen to all of our episodes, learn more about the podcast, and sign up to the Métis Nation of BC newsletter to stay up to date on Métis news at MétisPodcastSeries.ca. You can find out more about the music we're playing by Love Life by visiting SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash lovelifeofficial, L-U-V-L-Y-F official, and link in the show notes for your convenience. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast listening device. See you again soon. Mina Kawapa Mitten, thank you, Marcy, for listening. <laughs>